Coming up on Salt City Code, we chat with Ben Lannan about live streaming on Twitch, how he got involved with the Gatsby and open source communities, and he shares with us a big announcement at the end, so stay tuned. My name is Karen Thorne. And I'm Kelly Corey. And together, we are Salt City Code. We'd like to take a minute to say thank you to our sponsor, Hack Upstate, for supporting Salt City Code. Hack Upstate's mission is to unite and facilitate collaboration among the greater upstate New York technology community. Twice a year, Hack Upstate organizes weekend hackathons. Developers and innovators from across central New York come to Syracuse to form teams, build projects, and win amazing prizes. It's all in 24 hours, and it's free to attend. Want to learn more? Visit hackupstate.com and get ready to code. All right, cool. I will uh, I will kick it off then. So welcome back to another exciting episode of Salt City Code. We are very excited to have Ben Lannan with us, local Gatsby JS legend. Um, would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so um, I am a software developer uh, located in Syracuse. I work out of Rome, but I've done a lot in the space of open source um, as well as um, live streaming up on Twitch. Nice. I am still trying to get into that. I like I keep meaning to do it and then I just put it off mostly because I'm nervous, but I want to do it. <laughs> I think it sounds like fun. I keep meeting more and more people that are on Twitch. They're like, oh, yeah, I'm on Twitch. And I'm like, okay, this is cool that I'm meeting more people that are on it. That's cool. How did you get into Twitch? Yeah, so um, long story. I'd say probably start around long stories. Um, probably like 2013 so like seven years ago like way early in the twitch um is when twitch was starting up Mm -hmm. um i would say probably the first thing that kind of launched me into it was there was a there was actually it was actually not for um like gaming because like when people think about twitch they always hear oh there's people playing games up there um Mm -hmm. but where i am i'm actually a live person who actually streams coding and programming um, on my stereo instead of like playing a game or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but back in 2013, there was a event that, I, that kind of interests me called um, Ludum Dare. And this is basically a game jam that happens like every two, um, like two or three times a year. And people actually were doing the development of it. So they were actually live streaming themselves to do it up on Twitch. Oh, that's cool. Um, and then from there, like through the years, I did have some time where I was spending time watching people um, do play games, and I still do. But um, towards like 2015, I got involved and really got introduced to a huge amount of people that are doing live programming up on Twitch. That's pretty cool. I didn't know Twitch existed in 2013, so <laughs> definitely out of the curve there. Yeah, so it's it's actually funny because like. Back then, there was a um, there was a tape called Justin TV, which oh my gosh, yep, I haven't thought about that in years. Jesus. So Justin TV actually used to be a site where people just went live and did stuff, um, and they actually were thinking like, you know, we need a place to put uh, people who do gaming, and Justin TV spun off kind of a sister business, and they named it Twitch, um, and. Over the time, Justin TV kind of faded in, like faded out, 
and everything, all that content came over into Twitch. So it's interesting that kind of we're coming full circle that Twitch like, used to be just for gaming, but now it's really encompassing um, both gaming as well as creative comment, creative content as well as just anything really you can think of now. Yeah, it is kind of wild how the platform has expanded. Like one of the follow channels I follow on Twitch is this lady who's a DJ and all she does is just DJ on her Twitch stream. Like mm -hmm. that's it. And I really thought Twitch was only for gamers. And so I avoided it for a really long time because I'm, I'm not really a big gamer. Mm -hmm. um, and then I got into it through Desert Bus, actually, um, watching the Loading Ready Run people just act goofy and play the silly game. And then I was like, oh, okay. I kind of see what this platform is about. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of started to get it more into it from there. But yeah, it's, it's, I would say it's very, the personalities on Twitch really kind of highlight what we're all about. Um, because like we all like, there may be punts of people on Twitch and like for the people that you, like people that a lot of people hear about, like Ninja used to be formerly on Twitch. Mm -hmm. You hear about like the personalities more so sometimes in the games. And really, that's why I think a lot of people on um, keep on watching these people on Twitch because they get invested in the people, in the people like behind um, playing the game or doing live programming or, for instance, DJing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think that's been part of the explosion of YouTube too. Is like you kind of connect with these people, and then it's you know sometimes it's less about the content they actually make and more about getting to know them as people. We would like to thank Syracuse Coworks as one of our sponsors, the only nonprofit co-working space. They offer day passes, monthly memberships that vary in price, and a recording booth for all your recording needs. It's where we record our podcast. Stop in and check out Syracuse Coworks, located at 555 South Clinton Street in Syracuse, and see all that they have to offer. So um, along with Twitch, I did want to ask you about um, Gatsby because I know you're pretty big into that. I follow the Gatsby Twitch channel, and I see yep. that uh, sometimes they do live streams. What brought you into doing Gatsby and like the open source part of it? Yeah, so back in, I would say, 2018, I think it is, like later 2018, mm -hmm. um, I was getting to the point where I wanted to have, like I was kind of like in a point where I was just tinkering around with kind of newer technologies. And I knew, I knew a little bit about... Uh, a the React framework, but I was tinkering around with like what was in that space itself. And there was this framework that um, came out that was called Gatsby. And this was the time before, um, this was fairly early in the days um, of Gatsby, but I was, try, I was kind of learning about it. I was tinkering with it. Um, and why well, actually kind of, my first, I would say, first project itself with Gatsby that like, I actually used rather than just going and going through tutorials or watching videos about it was I built a um, website to kind of push information and like, tips and tricks and tutorials about um, the VS Code project. So from there, I like, kind of built that out and kind of got understand there. Basically, I built a site for VS Code um, resources. And from there... I kind of started seeing that this is a very beneficial tool um, for the kind of sites that I build because I want to create sites that have, um, I usually make a lot of sites that are very content-based. And through that, 
Gatsby actually provides a lot of nice resources for that where you are you can pre-generate and pre-compile all the pages um, before you deploy it. And through that, rather than need to have a running server somewhere, like a Node.js Node server, or need to worry about um, other situations, you can take this output from Gatsby and deploy it to any server, and it will act smooth and fast where, really wherever you want it to. All right, so you started working with Gatsby and kind of got more involved yes. doing that. And um, with the VS Code project, is that what got you into contributing to open source, or is that different? Yeah, so with open source, like the, I'd say it's actually kind of my um, college upbringing that kind of pushed towards oh. that. Yeah, okay. because um, I went to Clarkson University um, for my undergrad. And with that, our computer science labs, uh, our, the name of our computer science labs is COSI, which stands for the Clarkson Open Source Institute. Hmm. And like, it was a space where people really get to experiment and tinker around outside, so outside of our normal classes. So we had like an entire server room that was ours to use. We didn't have, um, and with that, we were able to like use Linux, spin up servers, um, and really tinker with things and get a very hands-on approach. Um, and with that, like that really pushed me getting in further and further into kind of open source communities. That's pretty rad. So did you go to college for computer science? Is that kind of your- Yep, experience? I did. Okay, yep. gotcha. Um, I wasn't really sure about your tech background, so I was planning to ask you kind of about how you got into tech. Like, did you always know you wanted to be a computer programmer? Was there like a different dream job you had as a kid? Yeah, so like as a kid, I it's actually funny how things are kind of looping back around because like as a kid, I actually wanted to be an educator, be like be okay. like a teacher. Um, yeah. And as I was kind of growing up, I was kind of got like, we always had a computer at home. Mm. Um, but like kind of towards my middle school to early high school time, I started like learning about this thing called coding and kind of seeing what I can do with it. Um, and then I, from there, um, as I got closer to going to college, I kind of settled on computer science, figure out like what kind of things I can do with it. And it's interesting kind of like how I am kind of going back into, like it's kind of kind of going full circle where in stuff that I'm doing with both open source, with um, various community meetups uh, groups we have in Syracuse, mm -hmm. and with Twitch live streaming, I'm kind of getting back in. I'm kind of actually doing that space where I'm focusing on education, focusing on mm -hmm. learning things, and then teaching others about them. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. The way that that's kind of come back together. Yeah. Um, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a psychologist. So <laughs> this is a very different field from that. But, you know, things change mm -hmm. over the years. And sometimes you end up in uh, the place we belong anyway. So, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that you wanted to be a teacher and that, you know, it's kind of coming back around. You're doing, starting to do these like Twitch live streams and, you know, getting more involved. I know you do presentations. I've seen you at conferences, mm -hmm. you know, talking about things like that. Um, have you ever considered creating like a tutorial system or um, teaching a class? Um, I haven't yet, um, but I'm thinking like I'm getting into a space where I'm thinking about kind of taking what I have right now because like mm -hmm. in terms of um, 
content production I'm doing, it yeah. is in kind of two spaces. It is both in blog posts, so written content, mm -hmm. as well as content that I'm doing live on, on stream. Um, but with that, there comes the caveat of like, when you are doing these live streams, I may have a five minute chunk that I want to kind of take out of the live stream and be able to share as part, like take that chunk and share it with others. Mm -hmm. Because maybe some people have the time to go back and watch a um, archive stream that's maybe two hours long, but maybe people don't. So having, be able to take the good, like the best chunks out of these streams really is something that I'm looking to do in as um, I continue into 2020. Awesome. Okay, so kind of, you know, slowly progressing from where you are. That's great. Yeah. That's a long strategy. Um, so are like you a crash course kind of. I've seen, I've seen a couple of like videos where they do like, oh, it's a crash course of like JS or, you know, TypeScript or something. And it's, they take yeah. all of their content and just kind of bring it down into something a little more manageable. Yeah. So, yeah. So take something that's like, maybe I'm going over something like I'm going over how to build pages in Gatsby. I could take something like, in my live stream, I could be showing something that actually does that, like in a site I'm building. But then I could digest that down into maybe a five-minute video that covers that topic. What would you say is the most difficult thing about live streaming as a developer? Yeah, so I would say it is... Um, I would say one of the things is kind of this... Um, sometimes in a case of imposter syndrome. So when you're live streaming and you're working on a product, sometimes, like, for a lot of stuff I do, I have a vague idea of, like, where I want to go, mm -hmm. um, but I don't have it be, like, down to the minute of, like, from the first 10 minutes, we're going to be covering this part. And then if we, if we don't, um, like, we have to stay strict to that schedule and with that. So with that, sometimes you have... Like, I, I don't do that because I want to have opportunities to interact with chat and be able to answer questions and take, like, if we need to slow down on something, we can slow down on it. With that, sometimes, if we get into a rut where I try and work on something and I can't get over that hump to fit, like, to actually figure out what's going on, mm -hmm. it sometimes is kind of nerve-wracking because you're on the spot. There's people watching you. There's, um, like, you're... It's similar, like if you're at a conference and if you are like giving a tech talk and you have a demo like towards the end, you want you you want that demo to work, but mm -hmm. there may be something that there may be instances that that kind of doesn't happen as you expect. I could believe that. <laughs> um, something I'm kind of nervous about, like starting to get into giving talks and things like that, is having to like demo code in front of people, mm -hmm. which seems a little daunting, frankly. Yeah. But I would say it's a very, it's also like, it, like there is times where like, like imposter syndrome is like, I don't know if this is for me, but mm. I can try to keep on going forward. And I would say it's a very good motivator of okay. um, like improving your public speaking of trying to figure out, it, it is a good way to just keep on getting better at giving talks or talking in front of a crowd. Like even though, it is just me looking at this microphone right at uh, the camera right in front of me. Mm -hmm. That's still like, there's still maybe like 10, 20, 30 people on the other side 
um, saying this is the person that's going to be maybe teaching us about this, or we're going to see what these like this person will be doing. So it's a, it's a, it's a it's a double edged sword where it can be beneficial at sometimes, and it can be daunting at others. Absolutely, sounds like programming. <laughs> yeah, I think so. So, were you always interested in tech, like from a young age, or did you get into it later? Yeah, I was. I was all like, I was a kind of tech kid. So I was person always watched like cartoons. I had like a Game Boy Color when I was a kid, like. I would say probably like when I was very young, I always was around technology. Um, and that kind of pushed me along into just l having that kind of mindset around tech. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, so since you mentioned the Game Boy, we do like to ask um, podcast guests, what's your favorite video game? Right. Favorite video game. Hmm. Like what's your go-to? So I would say my favorite probably is... It's an old school one, but the original um, Roller Coaster Tycoon, which came out, I think, in oh, like yeah. the late 90s. Yeah. Um, I love that. Like, I've played that for decades and I still, like, sometimes spin it up. Um, but it's it, like, and I would say, like, that genre of tycoon management games, like, is something that I always kind of come back to. Um, so, what, um, what made you choose Gatsby over, like, other JS frameworks? Yeah. So, it's something that I would say like the kind of ideology of how it works where you are building a React application at the end of the day, but through their build process, instead of like taking that reapplication and just directly plopping all this code up into some server, you instead run a build step, which allows you to compile down some assets, allows you to, Maybe if you have a lot of images, it will be able to do some pre-processing and create like smaller images of different sizes and has a lot of things where I think one of um, a person in the Gatsby community, Jason Langsdorf, commented on um, that like Gatsby is kind of pushing the deep, like trying to push the web defaults. Gatsby is trying to push like good performance um, benefits that come from the platform, the web platform itself as defaults um, and kind of abstracting it so it is as accessible to people as possible. Also, shout out to Jason Langsdorf. Mm -hmm. um, I follow Learn with Jason on yeah. Twitch and on YouTube and on all channels. And um, he's one of, not only one of the reasons why I like working with Gatsby because um, he's just super great at explaining things. Mm -hmm. um, but he's also been an inspiration for me to, you know, kind of start moving into that like Twitch and, you know, streaming yeah. code area because I like his content and I think he's really great. So I highly recommend the Learn with Jason series. Yep, I'm actually a moderator for him. No way! Yep. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Sorry, fangirl moment. <laughs> <laughs> fine. I subscribe to the newsletter too. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Really like him. Yeah, Jason, like he's a very, uh, like he's a very approachable guy. If you was like. Awesome for like being part of a community where he's a part of, it's like very approachable to just go ask him questions about various things. Very cool. I think that's important though too, you know, like how it's taught and you know, how well things are explained um, mm -hmm. that makes it easier for others to understand. Yeah, definitely. Um, I also really like that um, the Learn With Jason series 
that, you know, he works with people on what they're good at. And that idea of like, here's a professional who's still learning things, mm-hmm. you know, and trying out new things, I think is good to get to see. Because sometimes yeah. it's easy to forget when you're, you know, that professionals also have to keep up. Yeah, it's, it's the thing that's, I think it's the thing of, we are all experts in our own different fields. Like, mm-hmm. a, like I may be great with something like Gatsby or live streaming, but if you go tell me, hey, can you cook me a, 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 like a very professional meal and serve it up to you? Mm-hmm. I'm probably not going to be able to do that well. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, yeah. I, can, I agree with that. Yep. You know, and it, they, everybody is different. You know, like some people know blockchain like, you know, the back of their hand, mm-hmm. you know, and other people are like, what? What are you talking about blockchain? I don't understand. <laughs> what, you know, what is that? So I think that, you know, everybody finds their own little thing that they can get really good at. And, you know, sometimes maybe they, that's what they do focus on mm-hmm. and they teach others. But in the same respect, they also still have to learn yeah, I th- too, because if you don't, then you're like really lost. Yeah. It's a thing of you do want to continue. I think it's a lot of developers in this space are, people who are just motivated to learn, to keep on learning kind of new technologies, new things. Um, and then also a lot of people in the space and the community I am part of then take that knowledge and either apply it or share it back to the community. Uh, speaking of the community, um, we have another segment on Salt City Code called Kelly Pitches a Syracuse Tech Meetup, um, which I'm now going to change to Kelly asks the guests what Syracuse Tech Meetup they'd like to see. So um, if you could pick a subject to start a meetup about, what would it be? Um, a topic that actually is relevant to kind of my kind of exploration into live streaming is um, a like an audio video meetup. Um, because like as I've been kind of doing the stream. So I started my stream back in um, last June. And as I've been doing it, um, I've been like incrementally, instead of like putting in all money at once and getting a great uh, microphone and a great camera um, and lighting and all these things at once, I've been incrementally adding things to my setup. And this is something that like is still very new to me. So I'm thinking like it would be nice to have a space to talk, like have a space where either people that are very um, knowledgeable in these kinds of things of audio and video equipment, as well as people that maybe me were like, it's very new to me. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of learn about these things. I was just going to say, yeah, I agree. Actually, one of the guys that I work with, uh, we were talking about microphones today because he has this. So he's another, he's on Twitch, um, mm-hmm. but I think he does gaming more than anything else. Yep. Um, and I think he even does like Dungeons and Dragons type stuff. Nice. Um, yeah, I was like, Dungeons and Dragons, what? Um, he's, you know, he was like, they have this whole setup, they'll get four or five of them together. And he has like four different cameras set up so that like one is on the board and one is up from above. And then there's a couple from the sides and, you know, like they have, there's, he has like one mic near him, but then the rest of them wear, wear mics, you know, and they, you know, it wasn't too bad for what he showed me the price of, but he was like, you really need to make sure that you have a good mic. And um, he said, actually Rode just released, he said, they just released one not that long ago, um, like recent. Uh, and I think he said it was a dynamic mic and mm-hmm. for like a hundred dollars. And he yep. said, it's compar- comparable to, um, the one that we were talking about the other night at OpenHack, the I think it was the Shure 
That's the Shore uh, SM58. Yeah, it's like $400. He goes, the road is, yeah. you know, it's like pretty much like that. Yeah, so the, that so the one the four hundred dollar one is actually Shores as seven B, which the thing that people talk about is Thriller was recorded with the Shure SM seven B, right? So, um, but yeah, so they, but their Shure does also offer a lot of uh, cheaper alternatives. That's if you don't want the top of the top, you still can great get a great microphone at a lower price. Yeah, yeah. He was just saying that. I guess the road had just released one that was supposed mm-hmm. to be like like the four hundred dollar one. Yeah. I, personally, I don't know because I've not seen it or you know or know anybody that tested it. He was just saying mm-hmm. that they had released it, but um, he went on to say that like all of his equipment together that he's got the mics and the audio and all that and the video is he spent. He's probably spent uh $10,000 <laughs> over you know like i i'm yeah. not probably not all at once but yeah you know ac- accumulating it all and getting getting it working the way that he wants to mm-hmm. um so that's was pretty yeah. ex- i was like <laughs> my eyes about popped out of my head <laughs> yeah but i think a good thing to talk about like with so i would say have two things so like i think it's like why it's becoming so, um, like some of these things, like you said, there's a hundred like you get a hundred dollar mic that has very nice quality. Um, I think it's really the kind of the content creator influencer kind of explosion that's happening on the internet across stuff like Instagram and Twitch and YouTube that's really pushing these things that have much more affordable equipment rather than have a rather than a like. Um, professional no because rather than where if you want to start like if you want to create a television show you needed to have a huge watts of money expertise um but now i could get a camera that's probably less than a hundred bucks um and start recording a like you someone could do comedy someone could do drama and create content in that space for much cheaper and publish it that anyone can see on either Twitter or Instagram or YouTube. Yeah, I think that's something that's really great about the explosion of social media and um, content creators and all that is the accessibility has, you know, the bars become so low. Like I can, oh my God, that was for my whole setup. I can make content with my iPhone. Yeah. And I'd say on top of that, secondly, um, like it's a good point to say like, as I commented earlier, um, you don't like his setup is he's saying like ten thousand dollars, and mm. that's probably an, an amazing setup. But for someone saying, "Hey, I'm interested in live streaming. What do I need to start?" Mm. Um, the nice thing is, really, if you have like the starting point, I would say, um, if if you just want to get going and just go out of like get like really get started. A computer that has like a microphone and a webcam, like that's acceptable. You can right. start and, there. And I agree. You know, like some people, you know, they think, "Oh my God, if I want to do this, I have to have all this really expensive equipment." Mm-hmm. And to get started, you don't really. You know, it's a matter of you know, okay, let me get started and see where this goes and see if I really do like it and I want to keep going and and yep. you know do i want to invest the money into upgrading to you know a better webcam or a better camera or mm-hmm. a better microphone or even a better computer sometimes 
you know, um, I yep. think that, you know, and I just haven't done enough research to see how you would hook up a microphone that isn't, you know, USB, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, you got to have a bunch of different, uh, you know, you have to have like, I don't know, two or three things I think he was talking about in order to be able to not have a USB microphone. Yeah. And with that, there's like a, there is a lot of options. Like you could go maybe over USB into a computer or you can have just so where you can have that, where you can change various levels, you can change the gain, or maybe you have something that's just more simpler where you have a audio interface, which has like a, like a gain, um, a, not to change the game, um, but for all intents and purposes, maybe like kind of less customization in that space. Mm-hmm. So it's really all like the nice thing about this is like there isn't just a one path of like this is the camera you get uh, at step A, this is the camera you get at step B, this is the mic you get at step A, this is the camera you get, uh, this is the microphone you get at step B. Mm-hmm. It is a very um, wide array of things you go down. And it's really all personal preference. Like if there's a brand that you like, if you say um, like Sony as a camera, you can go down that route, but that is not the only route. There is a large amount of people in this space now. Yeah, I I would have to agree with that. You know, there's a lot of different things, Um, you know, and sometimes, you know, even little things, you know, like I said, you know, you can, you know, she can do content right on your phone. And even with, um, so like with the Osmo that we picked up with that app, you know, like we can record something and make it into a story and then, you know, we can deploy it in a matter of like five minutes, mm-hmm. you know, just by putting it all together. So, you know, even something little like that. And, you know, we, we actually started testing that a little bit and um, I picked up, I was curious to see. So I picked up this tiny little microphone. It's just a Samson. Um, it was like $30 or something, but I plugged it into the phone and, and it, you know, like it did make a big difference in the audio yeah, in the, in the test video that I had taken. So, you know, just little things that doesn't, you know, like we don't need some big giant expensive, you know, microphone in order to do it was, you know, I mean, I think $30 is reasonable for what we want to do with it, you know, and it'll give us the better audio quality. So sometimes it's, it is the little things that make a difference, I think. Totally, but also if someone wants to sponsor us to get a big expensive microphone, you can reach out to saltcitycode at gmail.com. Yeah, we could, there's other things that we could, you know, uh, manage with. So, yeah, if you would like to sponsor us, please reach out to us. <laughs> Plug within the podcast. Nailed right? it. It's fun. You're good. You know, I'm kind of wondering, is there a channel in the Syracuse IO Slack um, for audiovisual people, you know, for like people who stream and things? Because I, I know there's one for makers, but... Uh, you know what? I'm not sure. Maybe we'll have to ask Mike about that. <laughs> Talk to Mike about it. Share right? some resources. <laughs> yeah. In the channel. I think there's enough of us that are interested in video production. Like, my degree's in broadcasting, so yeah. combining that with code would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I think so. Yeah, because, that, because there's a lot of like, people in... Um, like, a lot of... The, having something that you can... Like, having the uh like production kind of knowledge base on top of also having kind of knowledge and coding like you can take that and be able to really go far with it and i'd say like really at the end of the day programming all programs are all programmers are are problem solvers we get some various 
um, request to build this piece of software to solve this kind of problem. And we, like, we're not just building software for the purpose of building software. We're trying to solve issues and make people's lives more easier by creating software. Yeah, I'm really excited to see um, everything that they have planned um, where I work because right now they go to a couple of different conferences. Most of the people come to them to see what they have been doing and, and you know, like how they can use it. Um, so, you know, like I'm kind of excited to, you know, to, to be able to be a part of that and the innovation and, you know, making them grow. And um, it's also kind of fun to, sort of be the only coder <laughs> in the on the group i mean my boss codes um but you know i don't think he does too much of that anymore because mm -hmm. he's already set up the database um and everything i'm doing is you know pretty much front end but um you know the four other guys i have to think for a second one guy is actually leaving um the networking guy is moving on he's going to a different company in skinny atlas um and then there's and then there's a new guy that's starting Monday. So there's still, so there's five, five guys in me and they all do something different. One is mm -hmm. like help desk and one, you know, like sort of repairs the units that they use in the trucks. You know, one is the business analyst guy. The new guy that's starting is um, the systems admin guy. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. I mean, I, it's only been my first week, but I think uh, it's going to be really fun. Awesome. I'm glad you're having such a good time. Um, what do you do for work, Ben? I was just going to yeah. ask the same question. <laughs> yeah. So I am a, I work at a company um, out of Rome, New York, where we do government contracting. So we do oh. things and stuff. <laughs> With computers. With computers. So I've heard that sometimes it can be really tough working with a government contractor. Um, just, I guess maybe in the sense that they want you to get this done, but when you try to get it done, either they aren't ready for it or maybe the funds aren't there or, or they change it along the way. Do you come across a lot of that? Um, so I say like really like any other, like any job, the, um, kind of things we work on are ever changing. Like, as we as you build out software, um, you may find out that something that we like you were planning on um, when you were starting up a project really didn't like as you're building it. The vision for that project can change, and I would say that is something that really is going to be in any job, in any development job. Um, that things aren't going to be always this is the project we're building and these are the steps and it's going to go like, it's we would That's very love true. that it would go swimmingly, mm -hmm. but right. it may not always. So how many, how many um, other developers do you interact with? Um, on a daily basis, I would say about less than 10. So like our company is a very large company, but the way it is organized, um, I'm kind of, interacting with about less than 10 for the various projects I work on. See, that's, to me, that's kind of nice. I, I, mm -hmm. But I prefer the smaller, the smaller yeah. groups. Yeah, and I think it's definitely easier to do that. So like, because like if with a smaller team size, I'm able to 
go directly to one of my coworkers and discuss like various discuss things rather than need to um, reach out to a bunch of people, ask, hey, what's going on in this, like with this project? And it's small for you too, right, Kelly? Being at Upstate Interactive, there's not that many. There's yeah. what? There's, I mean, only oh has right? maybe 10 employees. Yeah, I was so. going to say, there's, I, was, I was trying to think, I was trying to add up quickly in my head and I'm like, okay, California, Ohio. And I'm like, and there's, I'm thinking there's somebody else that's remote and I'm like, so that's three, you know, and I, I was, so I was trying to add real quick and I figured about, I was trying, I could be off, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is like about 10 people working yeah. for it. Um, I would also mention that when I first got into programming, I really thought it was like, okay, here's the idea for the project. And now we're going to do all these steps and then it's going to be done at the end. And that's how you do it. <laughs> and I had to very quickly realize that um, that isn't how it works at all. <laughs> you know, along the way, a lot of things can change and do on a regular basis. Because mm-hmm. it's um, like in the end of all of this, there's always going to be people involved, whether it is mm-hmm. your teammates, whether it is your, whether it is your end users. There's always going to be things that may, like that you may have never thought about until it gets to a point where it's like, hey, there's this use case that we didn't think about, or there was this scenario where a user did this and it caused an issue. Ah, uh, users, oof, <laughs> worst. Would you like to go from zero to full-stack web developer in 24 weeks? Karen and I did. We're graduates of the first cohort of Careers in Code, a coding boot camp also sponsored by Hack Upstate. Learn HTML, CSS, JavaScript, and more from awesome instructors and incredibly patient TAs. If you're ready to change your career, sign up for the second cohort waitlist at careersincode.org. You can also sign up for the Hack Upstate Careers in Code monthly newsletter to receive updates, upcoming events, and job opportunities. That's careersincode.org. I also have to ask, I heard you have a big surprise. Yeah. I know Karen knows what it is, but um, would you like to share it with us? <laughs> yep, so um, with like kind of just the things going on um, around, a lot of like events around, really around the world are kind of being have to uh, not happen in person because with the coronavirus we can't really be around like we shouldn't mm-hmm. kind of travel and be around people and then possibly spread it further um, and more quickly um, but the live streaming team I'm part of uh, the live coders which are on um, on Twitch we had like in the mindset of like we're people who every single day are and for um, since the team's so big, we are like at least usually one of us is live 24-7. Um, and with that, we were thinking, what if we kind of pushed more towards showing that we can have uh, digital and fully remote conferences? So coming in uh, early April, um, we're actually going to have a live coders conference, like our, the first iteration of live coders conference. Oh my gosh, amazing. Yeah. I know, right? When yeah, he told me, I was like, that's going to be so cool. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I've participated in some virtual conferences online, mm-hmm. and I found a lot of value in those. Yeah. So I think it's really great that you guys are setting that up. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, there's, like, for me, like, kind of with that education space, there's always been, like, a lot of these, com- like, a lot of conferences have been live streamed, per se, but a lot of the things that people get out of, um, 
conferences in real life is going up to speakers and asking them questions mm-hmm. in like in person, talking to them between sessions. Um, where I think it's different in the um, kind of a digital space, but since we're all live streamers ourselves, um, the speakers that are going to be speaking at the conference, which are going to be a variety of um, the live coders, um, we all have live streams that we do on a weekly basis. So if you had this one question of like, hey, I loved your talk about this, um, you could come back to someone, like you could go to their live stream maybe that next day or next week and talk to them and like, hey, I really like that. Is there more information that you can uh, give to us about that? And, yeah. and I think that's important too, you know, because, you know, how many times do you watch other videos where, you know, like on YouTube where, yep, they've recorded it and they've done it and, you know, you mm-hmm. put it on there and then like pretty much the one option that you have in order to ask a question is to send them, you know, make a comment or something mm-hmm. and then wait to see if they even answer it. Yep. And I think they don't check it often and they don't answer it. And your question sits there for years because they never answered it. And I think that's something that really engages me as well as all the other, like a lot of a lot of live coders that we get to be so dynamic, engage with our audiences, engage with people that are interested in topics we're working on because, and engage with the community itself, really build up communities, like those communities around this. But like someone can come up and rather than like I can be teaching a various topic, but as I said earlier, we can then like if someone's like, hey, what are you like, what is that you're doing? Or um, why are you doing this? We can like then kind of slow down and in real time actually kind of dive into that. So it really gives a personal level to live streams. Um, and like even to like it's interesting, like even to much larger live streams, you can still get at a personal level because like one of the um, one of our uh, fellow live streamers, um, live coders, and actually I'm a matter for her, uh, Suze Hinton, which goes by Noobcat on Twitch. Um, she has an average of like 300 people every single Sunday, and that's a lot of people. Like, think about 300 people, people, yeah, all doing one thing. With that, still times where like there's a very uh, inter like a very close relationship between the streamer and various members of the chat and as far as well the chat members also get like have very close um communication where like something like they get to a point where uh, a few of the chat members have said like coming to uh, her stream every sunday feels like kind of going to church it's like you're catching up with your uh friends that you may not be able to see every um like every day yeah that's a good point and i, and I you know and i think that is important mm-hmm. Yeah, so I had a moment about Jason Langsdorf, and I'll I'll try not to have a moment about Sue Tenton, but she's really great. If you don't follow Noop Cat, you should. She is. <laughs> um, what kind of languages and frameworks are you guys planning to cover? Yeah, so I think um, from the talks that are kind of being kind of thought about, um, I think it's going to go into a lot of stuff where it's both on technical side as well as like kind of the human side of like talking about like more the human aspect. So I think there is going to be a variety of different types of content. So uh, no matter if you're a web developer or if you're backend or if you do hardware, I think you'll be able to find, get something out of this. Um, yeah. Good work to it. Uh, where can we go to find out more information? 
Yep. So uh, we have we currently have a save the date page. Um, I'm gonna I'll link to it in the show notes. Yep. And then basically there you can kind of sign up uh, and sign up uh, and put in your email and get further updates about it. Um, but again, if you want to tune in, um, it's gonna be in early April, um, and it's basically gonna be an all day uh, event where we're expecting to have like possibly around 10 hours of content that you can kind of tune in and, and interact with people, interact with like fellow streamers and kind of be part of the events from whether it be the comfort of your house, maybe in your office, just on a monitor, what have you. This is our, like, this is our first foray into uh, having a conference as our team. So yeah. some of our other people, some of the other people on the team, um, Cesar Fritz, he's been a good like he's a develop um, he's a developer relations manager at um, Microsoft and he's done a lot of stuff for them in that space. So we still like even though it's a first for us, we're going to see how it works in this kind of atmosphere. But he's been in this kind of atmosphere. He's done um, a lot of things with Microsoft in the space of kind of getting community involved and engaged in um, various topics. Well, that's great. It sounds like it's going to be a great experience for everyone, the people that get to watch, and then also everyone who's never done a virtual conference before, you know, kind of get that experience under your belt. Well, I think that is all the questions I had on my list. Is there anything else you want to ask, Karen? Um, I don't think so. I was just, you know, like when we get to the end, I was just going to ask him if there was anything else that he wanted people to know about um, other than the conference and where people can follow him. Mm -hmm. I would say, um, yeah, so it's the conference out things in the show notes. Um, mm -hmm. For myself, like, um, I have, like, if you search LAN and BR really anywhere, um, I'll pop up. So LAN BR on Twitter, Twitch, uh, LANBR.com for my site. So I kind of have that around. Uh, but kind of as a closing thought, I think yeah. um, one of, like, in with live streaming, one of my colleagues has kind of saying where, the first, like the step, the big step of live streaming isn't getting all this fancy equipment, isn't uh, thinking about, oh, let me set up a nice overlay and set up a nice, like all these effects or a bot. The step that you, I'd say, be most important is hitting the go live button. If you would like to follow me on my personal learning curve journey, my website is kethorn.com. Instagram, Karen Thorne, Twitter, kthorne, and email, contact at kethorne.com. Also, be on the lookout for JS Web Development, LLC, as I'm starting my own business. Twitter and Instagram are JS Web Dev. I'm working on a website that should be up soon, and that's jswebdevelopment.com. You can always email me at jswebdevelopment at gmail.com. You can keep up with Kelly by following my Instagram and Twitter at thisiskelcor or visiting my personal site, kel.dev. Together, we are Salt City Code. You can follow along with the podcast at Salt City Code on Instagram and Twitter. And if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can reach out to us at saltcitycode at gmail.com. And remember, always, always keep, keep it, it salty. salty.